0: Welcome to the Property Investors Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an upload. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Enjoy this week's show, and don't forget to share it with all your friends. Hey, I'm Russell Leeds. I'm Ricky Mandel. And welcome to the Property Investors Podcast. On this week's show, we're talking, do property prices really double every 10 years? Now, Ricks, how long have you been investing in property or interested in property, attending property events, etc.? Uh oh, just over five years. Just over five years. And I bet you at every single property event you've ever been to, yeah. you'll have heard somebody say, property prices double every ten years. Yeah. And have you said it yourself?
1: I have. You have. I have. And what they'll do is they go, property uh, property prices double every, and then I'll finish the sentence Say 10 years. And you're one of those sheep
0: that goes along with it. Yeah. All right. So the question is to you, do you think they actually do? And over what period of time? Because I I mentioned to you this, we were going to talk about this. You said, well, surely they can't double every 10 years indefinitely. You know, like the doubling penny. We talk about the doubling penny. Penny doubles every day. And in like 30 days, it's worth like 30 million or something. And that's a penny. So if property prices really doubled every 10 years, would they
1: not be just astronomical? Well, yeah. Yeah, they would be. I mean, I think... Well, your first question was, um, your first question was, do I think they double every 10 years? Yeah. And my answer to that is, I think it depends on the area. Okay. Because some areas don't... Some areas haven't recovered from the crash that happened almost, what, seven, eight years ago yeah so do they double every 10 years i think it depends on the area yeah well the
0: first thing i would say is obviously we we can look at recent history and we know that it's not a guarantee that it's going to double every 10 years right so let's say in the year 2000 and 2010 yeah if property prices are on average worth 200 grand yeah it's not a guarantee that by 2020 they're going to be worth 400 grand yeah it's not a guarantee but what we can do is we can look back over history And we can see, we can look back at the average selling prices of properties in the UK and see if there is a trend where they're going to double on average every 10 years. Okay. So what I've done is with a mixture of Google and ChatGPT. GPT, I've found the average house prices for every decade, so on the year. So starting from
1: 1930. Wow, you were just a kid then. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, just a nip about that. So it started from 1930, 1940, 50, 60, 70, all the way up to 2020. So for 90 years, to look at the average house prices and see if in fact they do double because it's very hard to predict the future. But the best way to predict the future is to look at the past because history tends to repeat itself, right? So I thought this would be really interesting to go back as far as I could. The earliest data I could find was 1930. Back when you were a kid. Back when I was just a just a nipper. Before right. then, you couldn't get. I couldn't, can't find any more details. So I've gone back as far as I can, but I think 90 years is quite a good case study of time to see to see what is happening. All right. So here are the here are the interesting figures. Do you want to hear them? Hit me with it. So 1930. How much, guys, do you think, I'm not asking Rick it because it's here on the screen, how much do you think a house, the average house price in the UK, sold for in 1930? About three grand? 500 pounds? A grand? All right, I'll tell you. The average house price in 1930, according to Google, was 400, no, it wasn't 400, it was 400 pounds. 400 pounds, all right? So what I did is I've done two graphs. On the one graph, I've plotted the real figures of what house prices every 10 years. And on the other, I've took the 400 pounds and just doubled it, right? So here are the real figures. 1930, 400 pounds. 1940, 600 pounds. 1950, 1,900 pounds. 1960, 2,200 pounds. 1970, 4,500. 1980, 21,000. That's quite a big jump there. 10 years gone from four grand to 21 grand. 1990, 60 grand. 2093. 2010, 167. 2020, 256,000 pounds. Now, if you just looked at the 400 doubling over that time, in 2020, the average house price will be 204,000 pounds. So in actual fact, house prices more than double on average every 10 years and have been doing for the last 90 years. So when we're trying to work out how much do we think house prices will be in 2030, quite simple, I'm just carrying on the doubling figure. We're probably looking at £410,000 somewhere along those regions, which really is pretty incredible that house prices over such a long period of time genuinely do double every 10 years. I asked a few people, a few of, our, few of our team, you know, do you think that since 1930 they've doubled? Everyone was being like, oh, no, probably not. You know, they probably haven't really doubled over that period of time. So when you hear it banded around, it's quite interesting that they actually really do double every 10 years. So what does that actually mean as a property investor? Well, we all know that
1: as a property investor, how many times do you get paid? Three times. Go on, what are the three? Three times are the first one is you can get it below market value, so it's equity straight away. Yeah. Second time is um, from the appreciation, which would be this. Third way is from rental income. Bang on, right? So if we look at, say, like, if you bought
0: a house, capital appreciation we're talking about now, and you bought a house, average house in 2020, right, how much was the average house price in 2020. Bear in mind, this is not a good deal. This is just you've just just gone and bought a really random whatever house. So the average house price we've got here is 256 grand, right? So if you bought an average house on a buy to let, how much money would you need for that house? How much money would you need to put
1: in yourself? I feel like I'm on the eviction again. There's a lot of people listening to this podcast and I don't want to waste any time. Um, so come and find me on the break. And I'll give it <laughs> it. No, so if you, I actually know the answer now. Fast forward five years, I've known the answer. Go on. Um, so if you're, you're buying it with a mortgage, you buy it on a mortgage, twenty-five percent mortgage, just a normal
0: average house. You're not trying to do anything clever. You're not doing it as SA. You're not doing BRR. It's two hundred
1: and fifty-six grand. So okay. So if you're buying it with a mortgage, buy to let mortgage. Yeah. Buy to let mortgage. You need twenty-five percent deposit. Yeah. So you would need uh, sixty-four. Yeah. £64,000 for for, you, for your deposit. deposit for the mortgage. Yeah. Then you would need stamp duty. Now stamp duty is a sliding scale. Um, but I believe... For, for, a, of, buy to, for a buy to let like that, you're probably talking about five, six grand, seven grand. Seven grand.
0: Something like that. Seven grand. Yeah. Um, and then legals. A couple of grand. And broker fees. Yeah, a couple of thousand. Two grand. So you're looking at about 70, 72 grand, something like that all in. Sounds that yeah, fair? Yeah. Right. All right, cool. So you buy it for seventy-two grand. If if it goes up the same as all other properties have been going up, you're probably going to be making around about two hundred and fifty grand in capital appreciation. And the reason we know that is because the house prices double every ten years, and we know that they do because we've looked at it over through history, right? Yeah. But even if it's a bit less, let's say it's two hundred grand capital appreciation that you make. Yeah. Right. So you've put in seventy grand. You've made back. 200 grand in capital appreciation, so that means that you're trebling your money in 10 years, yeah, because you only put 70 grand in, you've made 200 plus grand in capital appreciation. Some people are looking a bit puzzled by that. Let me explain why. He's shaking your head, you know you're not puzzled okay
1: <laughs> not puzzled he's just
0: mind blown. he's just mind blown, right yeah 70 grand in you're 200 grand that's just a random house that's not doing anything clever that's not doing the buy refurbishing finance that's not taking into consideration the rent yeah. that is literally just buying a random house it's been like that
1: for 90 years and you know what's crazy as well this is where we say debt can be good because in this case, you can use the debt to your advantage because as the value of the house goes up and it appreciates, the debt still stays the same.
0: Bang on. And people are worrying about the interest rates. Oh, I'm not making any profit. They're not taking into consideration
1: the capital appreciation that they're making. So here's a question for you. Go on. Knowing what you know about the appreciation, when you invest in properties, do you buy based off the appreciation that it's going to have or the cash flow that it's going to make? It's a good question. I think, um,
0: I think it depends on what your goal is. Yeah. So, for example, if, you, if you've got a really good job and you're earning a lot of good money and you just want to in, invest the money that you've got, right? Because it's funny, isn't it? Back in 1930, £400 was the house, right? Yeah. So someone that bought that £400 house 90 years ago would now have an asset that was worth a quarter of a million. So £400 in 90 years it turns to a quarter of a million. If they put that £400 in the bank, right, that 400 grand back then would have been worth a lot more or well, I think I looked into it, I think it would be in the equivalent of having like 30 grand, right? So it like you putting 30 grand in the bank today and just leaving it. And now it's only worth 400 pounds. That's the equivalent of what you'd do, right? So you've, you've gone from a situation where you've got roughly about 30 grand, keep it in the bank, 90 years time, it's worth about 400 quid. By the time- well, So you're saying if you put 30 grand in the bank now, it'd be worth 490 years. Well, that's what it was back then. They had 400 pounds. That's the equivalent in today's money of about 30 grand. Right. So if they just left that four hundred pound in the bank. What would it be worth today? Thirty grand. No, it wouldn't. Why is it worth thirty grand? Oh, you've lost me, man. All right, all right. So you've got back in nineteen thirty, right? Yes. When you were just a young boy, right? You've got 30, you've got four hundred pounds, which yes. back then is a lot of money. Okay, so I'm rich. you well. I wouldn't say you're rich. I'm okay. You've got thirty grand equivalent. 400. But it's actually 400. You, you understand inflation,
1: right? I understand. <laughs> okay. So okay. have I got 400 or 30? I'm confused. Which one have I got? All right. Let's say you... Right. It's 1930. <laughs> I walk down the road and I go to the ATM. Right, yeah. I look at the... In fact, I go to the cashier at the bank. There's, there's, say, no, there's the no ATM, I doubt, back then, right? But <laughs> no, maybe let's say there is. Let's I go say to the so. bank and I say, how much have I got? They say what?
0: They would say 400. But it wouldn't be like 400 debt today because you'd be like... 400, man, that's the equivalent. If I was talking to a future Rick in 90 years time, he'd think that was like 30 grand. Makes okay. sense. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so have I got 400 or 30? You've got 400. So, You've got 400, so got but... 400. But, but I'm acting like it's 30. Because it kind of is. But do I know it is back in 1930? Yes, you think back in 1930, right? You think I've got 400, 400 quid. I could buy a house with that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, all yeah. right.
1: All right. But I'm not going to buy a house a bit because property investing yeah. is risky. So now what you're saying is today, I've got 30 grand in the bank. In 90 years, it will be like having 400 quid. Correct. Right. Right. You got it now, yeah? Yes. So if you had
0: 30 grand today, if you bought a house with it,
1: yeah.
0: that 30, if, if the exact same thing happened what's happened the last 90 years, the 30 grand today... I mean, forget, if you bought it for cash, I mean, you probably couldn't buy a house for 30 grand for cash, maybe in a hole or somewhere. But let's say you bought it for cash, it'll be worth quarter of a million, or if you left it in the bank, it'd be worth 400. So in other words, it basically what I'm saying is, taking that 30 grand today, putting it in, into property, is going to turn it into 250 grand plus. That's not even taking into consideration leverage like we just talked about. Yeah. Leaving it in the bank in 90 years, it's going to be worth the equivalent of 400 pounds. If... Property prices and inflation carry on the same as they are. So all I'm saying is it just shows the value of investing in property. You know That is the way to beat inflation. If you just leave your money in the bank, inflation is just chipping away at your money. You invest it in property, it kicks inflation's ass. Even if you're not leveraging and using a mortgage, even if you're not getting great cash flow from service accommodation, even if you're not pushing up the value using BRI, if you just buy a random property... For cash today you are you you're massively quitting, and this is how people become accidental millionaires. This is exactly how people become accidental This is how most millionaires are made in property by just buying their own house. You buy your own house, you don't even need twenty five percent deposit. you just need like ten percent right yeah
1: interesting it's It's almost like we should be property investors <laughs> maybe we should <laughs> maybe we should maybe we should put our four hundred pounds into a property.
0: Maybe, we, you'd be nuts not to, wouldn't you? If you knew, right, if you knew, if you were back then and you heard, oh, if I get 400 quid, if I buy it properties, it's going to be worth a quarter What's of a Was a million. pound
1: a thing back then? I thought it was shillings.
0: It was. It isn't shill, shillings is less than a pound, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Pounds, shillings,
0: Pounds, shillings and pence. Pounds, shillings and pence. We have someone in the room that was oh, from pence. the
1: 1930s. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know how much, a sh- how much of a shilling worth. It was 5p. Uh, 5p. It, it's crazy that we still have,
1: you had, do you have half pence as well? Yeah. Half pence. So, for, so you make appreciation of that example that we did, you'll make 200, $200 grand 200, 200 grand plus grand
0: literally in 10 years. Oh, you need to pay your mortgage back. Well, that's assuming on an interest only mortgage. If you're paying your mortgage back as well, then you'd, you'd have even more.
1: No, but some of that appreciation, you need to pay, pay the loan if you're on interest only. No. If you refinance. Well, yeah, but your
0: rent would cover your interest, right? Yeah. Yeah, oh, if you refinanced it. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not, saying if you, I'm just... if you were to pull out the equity, you would then pay back the mortgage. Well, that's the other brilliant thing about, about property investing as well, right? So if you refinance it, you don't pay tax because it's debt. Yeah. Right? Where else could you earn 200 grand? And not pay any tax on it. Maybe we should invest in property. We definitely should invest in property. (laughs) I think I think that's the lesson here. But it's just interesting because you only know you know when it moves slowly. Like you know, if we look for example uh, back to say when we 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 sort of started getting interested about 2010, right? Uh, Just before, so you can see property prices were about 167 grand. So, it doesn't feel like they've gone up like loads since then, like with everything else. And you just like, oh, yeah, I suppose it has, yeah, it's 256 or whatever now. It's gone up probably a bit more since 2020. But you're just like, oh, yeah, you don't, you, when you're in it, you don't see It's like when you lose weight and you don't see it every I don't day. No, you much wouldn't know that. that. It's like when you put on weight. Oh, I know a lot about that. Tell yeah. me about that. <laughs> so, so, when you put it on weight, you probably on a day to day basis, you don't realize it's only when you sit back and have a look and you see the, I don't want to call it progress, but you see the sort of, uh, the, the the girth expanding and you're like, wow, when I look back at pictures of me a year ago, look how fat I look, but I don't know it's on a day-to-day basis, right? And it's the same. It's because it's slow, we don't kind of realise, but when you stop back and look at
1: it, it really, it is nuts, isn't it? So you started getting involved in property in what year? Uh, about, about 2010. So what, the properties that you got... In 2010, what have you got equity in them now from that appreciation, or have you refinanced them? What have you? I have refinanced and pulled out the money. I've pulled out the money and reinvested the money. Correct. So in the next ten years, will you refinance again? Okay. Will you just keep on refinancing, refinancing? Hundred percent. Do you think you'll ever sell any of the houses? Um.
0: Oh, I wouldn't say I would never. It depends on my strategy. So at the moment we're buying hotels and things like that. So it might be that I wanted to pull money out to do something else, but I don't
1: think so. No, I don't plan to. Here's an interesting question for you. Go on. So we look at this appreciation over 10 years. When doing buy refurbish refinance, I speak to a lot of people and they say buy refurbish finance. buy. Can they speak when you speak? To them? Uh, no, no. Refurb- maybe we shouldn't invest in property. <laughs> I can't pronounce strategies. Um, buy refurbish refinance. That strategy is good at the moment because house prices are going up. But from my point of view, I think when you're doing buy, refurbished refining, I don't think it matters if the price is going up or down. I don't think it matters what the market's doing in, with that strategy. Uh,
0: it, it depends. I think it does matter if you're highly leveraged. So, for example, if, you, if you're if you bridging yeah. and you have to pay the bridge back yeah. and you need the property to go up to pay the bridge back, yeah. then it does matter, right? But you're forcing the value up, though. Yes, you are. You are, but if they're
1: coming down, surely it matters to a point. Yeah, but how much a house price, if you factor in that contingency, really, the average buyer referred deal will take a year. So if you factor in the contingency and you get it below market value, factor in what it could go down within the year, why would it matter? Well... If you
0: factor it in, what it could go down, then then it wouldn't. But it would be it would be beneficial to you if it went up. If you, if your plan was no, of really course monetary. it
1: would be. If, but um, it's it's. Really but, here, but what,
0: it? what I do think. I do think you kind of can't go wrong because even if you messed it up, right? <laughs> even if you totally messed up you buy, your buy reverb, your you you bought it you re- did it up, and it was worth the same as what you'd spent on it. Just a bit of time, and it's going to be worth more anyway. You're almost doing like just by waiting ten years. It's it be, suddenly becomes a BRR even if you didn't do any reverb. Yeah, but your money's then tied up, isn't it, for ten years? Yeah, but it's going up in value. Who cares? Because you could find a good buying purpose. Yeah, deal that's that you better. Your money out. But what I'm saying is, I, I'm agreeing with you. If you let's say you bought it, refurbed it, and house prices dropped, yeah, and it ended up being just worth what you paid for it, yeah, then just wait and so, then refinance. So don't buy. Don't wait to buy property. No, buy property and wait. 100. percent I'm sure we said that quite before. I'm sure you have. But yeah, 100%. If you just you just want to get in now, and even if they're dropping or, you know, they do this, people get scared, but they are massively going up, and
1: and it's been proven. And that's 90 years, doubled every 10 so years. So what would your argument be then someone that's like, well, you could say that about anything, couldn't you? Say it about, you know, gold, socks, put it in that and just wait. So why is property different? Well, what
0: I, um, when I look at things like gold, I think what I like about property is how consistent it is. When you look at gold, it's it kind of like, will shoot up and then like it. I've, in the, I think it was from like 1980s, 2000, like it actually went down over a 20 year period. Yeah, And it's a bit more up and down with stocks. I mean, yeah, I mean, I would encourage investing in whatever I know and like property. And I've seen, I look at property, I think you get paid three times, it's going up. It, it you know, Warren Buffett invested in stocks and you know, he's doing all right. You know, he's doing okay. He's doing so all right. I'm not, eh? I'm, not, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna criticize it and say, don't do that. I would do what you know. If you know stocks and you make a lot of money from stocks, keep doing that. Yeah. If you know property, I think property is the best. You look at the Sunday Times Rich List and a lot, you know, the the vast majority—I can't remember what percentage it was now—but it's like, uh, I think it's getting close to forty percent of the people that are on the Sunday Times
1: Rich List of the thousand richest families in the UK make their money in property. I think a lot of people wait to invest in property as well because of the house prices going up and down. Yeah. So a lot of people, you know, Samuel says it—the crash course. You know, at the crash course, Samuel says, house prices go up, and when they go up, everyone gets excited. And then, oh my goodness, the houses are going up. I'm going to buy. I'm going to buy. They're going up. Then, they go down a little bit, and everyone's like, oh, I'm not going to buy now. House prices are going down. Then they go up, and everyone gets excited. But then before they buy, they drop again, and people wait, wait, wait. And then before you know it, 90 years on. Yeah. You regret not doing it. I think
0: the key is buy to hold, never to sell. Refinance to pull your money out keep them. They're always going up in value. So I'm really
1: interested in this, actually, to get your point of view. I know we spoke about it a minute ago, yeah. but you and Samuel say, n- never sell houses. Obviously, certain circumstances, like when you're doing your development deals and stuff, it's more beneficial to sell them and stuff like- But generally speaking, it's yeah. like, never sell, always refinance. So, are there any scenarios you can think of or what would be the reason that you would sell? And what's the reason for holding it instead of selling it?
0: Yeah, there are certain situations where you could sell. So, for example, like you mentioned development, if you're doing development and you wanted to pull all the money out, it might be that you need to sell some of the properties to do that and you want to reinvest it and do more development, so it might suit you in that situation. It also might suit you if you wanted a trading business. If you were doing, uh, for example, inheritance tax planning and you were planning on leaving businesses to your children, it might make sense to have a trading company that sells um, part of their assets. So there are certain advantages in Certain situations, however, for the vast majority of people that are looking to get into buy to let or looking to become a landlord and buy property, I would recommend buying properties, don't sell them, wait for them to go up, don't sell them when they go down. That's the worst time to sell.
1: Yeah,
0: wait for them to go up. They we know they're going to go up and then
1: refinance, pull your money out, keep going. When you do buy, refurbish, refinance, and you do developments, how much do you fact let me try and word this so you, it makes sense because I'm not quite making sense today. I'll do my best. Go on. How much do you uh do you factor in appreciation when you're doing buy refurbish finance in a small deal that's going to take 6 months or a year and do you factor in on development deals that are going to take maybe a couple of years? And if so, if you do both, yeah. How much what, what's the, do you factor in the same percentage margins for the appreciation for each one or how do you do it?
0: Yeah. I actually don't factor it in, so I look at every deal in its own right. So I look at a BRR and look at what it would be worth today. And then for me, the capital appreciation is just a bonus. In the same way, when I'm buying properties to hold, what I'm actually looking at normally is if it's a BRR, I'm looking at how much I can make from it immediately. I'm not taking capital appreciation into consideration, but often I'm looking at the rent. So I'm looking at how can I rent this out? How can I make as much profit? You can't control the capital appreciation. So from my point of view, that is a bonus. I know it's there. And I'm and I'm gambling on it because I've been looking at history and I've seen it's gone up. But I'm I'm investing for other things like cash flow, like how much value I could add, and then the capital appreciation is just a happy coincidence that happens with
1: every property and I will take it when it comes in. Yeah. And I think an interesting thing as well is that a lot of people like I was saying five years ago when I was thinking of getting started in property, I used to think, you know, the country's all one place where the market's going up and it's going down. But what I realised was, when I was watching Samuel, it's almost like every city has its own economy. Every is in a different stage of going up in value and going down and having depreciation and depreciation. Yeah, they go up at different times, but they all go up. And they all follow the capital. London tends to go first, yeah. Yeah. So do you choose what area you're going to invest in based off that information? Uh, not really. No. Not really, because... If you
0: look at it, it's, it's on average across the whole country. They all, they all, people say, "Oh, London's great for capital appreciation," but here, but in, in reality, London just gets it first, but everywhere follows suit. Anyway,
1: so what would your advice be to someone? What would you say to someone that? Because I, I get this a lot when we're at crash courses. People come up to me and they say, "I'm really worried at the moment because house prices are going down. And I'm a bit fearful." What would you say to someone that's thinking, "Right, I'm going to, I want to get into property, I want to get started, but now's not the right time because of what?" The housing market could be doing. People say it to me, and they say, "Oh, what about the house crash?" And I, and I just I say,
0: "Look, we've seen house crashes before. What about the wage divide? Wages aren't. Go- we've seen, we've seen it. I can't remember what decade it was. I was looking when I was uh, studying this, but like, um, I think house prices at the time were like six grand, and salaries were like a grand a year. So there was like, there was six times the salary, which is kind of like what it is now. We've seen it all before. It's, it's, it's all happened before." We can see it throughout history. So, yeah, house, the housing market doesn't go like this. We know that. If you're listening to this podcast, you won't have a clue what I'm doing. But I'm pointing my finger up in a straight line, right? It doesn't go like that. It goes up in a little bit, then down a bit, and then up a just for the a bit, podcast, he's moving his
1: hand up, he's moving his hand down. <laughs> yeah. I've not commentary for the podcast, but I don't think that went down well. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, he wasn't moving his hand up and down and up and down. He was, <laughs> it was pointing. He was pointing. So, so what you were saying was? Oh. So, so what you were saying was? I, I, yeah, please, so was go, oh, please go. and watch this on YouTube. So what, so what you were saying was? Yep. Your hand doesn't go straight up. It goes up and down. <laughs> it goes up and down and up and down and up and down. But mostly but up. It
0: ends up <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I can't wait to pick up this conversation in <laughs> ten years with you and see how the house prices are doing then.
0: Well, I'm excited, bro. I'm excited, and we'll look back and then we'll, then we'll be wondering what they're going to do for the next ten years. Maybe, maybe they'll be up, <laughs> or maybe they'll be down. Who knows? Anyway,
1: I'm Russell Leeds. <laughs> I'm Ricky Van. See you next week.